little bit about what I've been learning and kind of implementing in my life with purpose. But before we do that, I want to pray because um, I don't think Deborah's here today, but her husband is in the emergency room this morning, and he's in an extended care in a nursing home, trying to really hard to get better. Um, but we're just going to pray over him right now and just believe that his his lungs are going to function the way that they need to function. You ready? His name is Sam Burton, so let's pray for Sam. Father, we just thank you for Pastor Sam Burton. We thank you, God, for the ministry call in his life. We pray, Father, that right now in that emergency room, Father, that he would be healed and made whole. God, that his lungs would function the way they are supposed to function, Father, that he would be able to take deep breaths, Lord God, and gain the energy and the strength that it takes, Father, to function without a ventilator, Father. And without oxygen, I just pray health and wholeness over his body and that he would be healed and back in ministry that you've called him to do. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his sweet spirit, God. And we pray for his healing this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So today when we get started, you're probably going to want to take some notes today, not because the message is so good, but because it's jam-packed full of stuff. And so you might want to jot something down, and you could even do it on your phone too. Um, But I wanted to talk about purpose today and the fact that growing in purpose requires maturity. Growing in purpose requires maturity. When we're young, you know, we have purpose. It's to go to school, right? It's to learn. It's to do all these things as a young child. When we get older, our purpose grows. But if we don't ever grow into our purpose, what happens? We're functioning in a lower level purpose than we should be functioning. God has this for us, and we're like down here. And we're not, we wonder why we're not happy and why we're not satisfied. Um, a recent study in the New York Times stated that only a quarter of our population knows what their purpose is. That's 25%. That means 75% of us walk around not knowing why we are here, what we are created to do, right? Why God has put us on this earth. That's pretty sad that 75% of us live our life that way. And I don't think that church is that different. We know God has created us. We know we have a higher purpose, but not many of us can tap into that higher purpose. Not many of us really know fully what God has called us to do. So we have this deep longing in our heart to know our purpose. Can anybody relate to this? We have a deep longing in our heart to know what God has for us. In Ecclesiastics 3, chapter 3, verse 11, I love this verse. It says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He's talking about us. He's talking about our life. He's made it beautiful and appropriate in its time. And he has also planted eternity. Listen to what they say eternity is in the Amplified Bible. It's a sense of divine purpose. He's planted that sense of divine purpose in our hearts, in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. We have a purpose embedded in us by our creator, and he's the only one, right, that can give us that purpose and that can reveal that purpose, that mystery in our life. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. 
So this verse is jam-packed with truth, and I want to point out a few things in this verse. First of all, God declares in this verse that he has made us, he's made our purpose, and he's created the timing, which means we're on a journey of discovery in our purpose, and he orchestrated that timing. He orchestrated that timing. He knew when you were going to step into the mindset, the ability to walk out your purpose at what age. We're not all on the same timeline, right? And sometimes when you get to be my age, you think, man, I missed, I missed time. I messed up. I'm late. I should have been doing this, this, and this earlier. No, you're on God's timeline. Your mistakes can't mess up God's timeline. And it's such encouraging, it's a, such encouraging um, realization that we can get from this scripture verse that realizes that we have a purpose and it's in his time. As long as we're obedient today and we're moving forward in his overall plan. And that's the next thing. God created us to long for purpose that only he can fulfill. So our purpose is found in him. But listen to this. Our purpose is connected to his greater purpose. Our purpose is connected to his purpose. And in order to find our purpose, we have to enter into his and his kingdom. Because our purpose is all about him. And a lot of times we're so involved in the world, we can separate it. We can separate it and say, well, this is my purpose for my job, for my goals, for my successes. And over here, God's saying, I created all of that in you for me. And this over here has to merge into this right here because our purpose is not earthly. It's heavenly. Our purpose is a part of God's purpose, his overall plan for his kingdom to be made manifest, right? In the New Testament, it, it, Paul declared to the Ephesians that it's all about Jesus. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship, his own master work, his work of art. And this is what Jesus did. He created us, God created us in Christ Jesus, which means we are reborn from above, we're no longer just standing on this side on earthly purpose and success and goals, right? We've been reborn from above. So now we are spiritually transformed, we're renewed, and we're ready to be used by God. That's what our purpose is. For good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. That is our purpose. Paul is declaring to the Ephesians, listen, you have been born again. You know Jesus for a reason. And that's what we can let ourselves know. That's what we can remind each other. We've been born again for a reason. What is that reason? It's your purpose. It's your God-given purpose. So it's found in Jesus as born-again believers. We have to be committed to transformation. And that transformation is body, soul, and spirit. It can't just be spirit. It has to be body and it has to be soul too. Why? Because we can't separate God's creation and say, okay, God, you get this, but I'm keeping this. Okay, well, don't take care of your body, and then you're not going to be here to tell your grandkids about Jesus, right? I'm telling you the honest truth. We have to get transformed body, soul, and spirit 
and spiritual maturity in order to grow in purpose for our lives. Being in Christ means being reborn from above, and it looks like this in that scripture verse, spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used. So we are going to talk today about the five points to remember. What does it take to become a mature in purpose? Okay, what does it take to become mature in purpose? So if you're taking notes, the first one is intentional growth. It has to be intentional. Intentionality must be the driving force behind our discipleship. We are all disciples, right? And we all are being discipled and are in a discipleship progress or process, regardless if we like it or not. We're, we're in discipleship. Now, you're either being intentional with it or you're just letting it happen by coming to church once a week and sitting here and listening to a message, right? But if you want to walk in your purpose, you should put more effort, right? We should put more effort and intentionality into our discipleship, which means being more and more like Jesus. Because remember, it's the transformed body, soul, and spirit that can walk out God's purpose. So discipleship is the key. Everyone ends up somewhere in life. And you have an opportunity to end up somewhere on purpose. Look, we're all going to be 80 one day, right? We all are. Every single person in here. When we are 80, who do we want to be? Not what do we want to have. Not what what job had had we spent 20 years on. Not any of that stuff. Who do we want to be when we are 80 years old, right? That's the intentional growth that we need to make. It means taking responsibility for where we intend to end up. And we make investments into the means to that end. So this is kind of funny, right? I intend to be in shape. Well, then what do I have to do? I have to go to the gym, right? I intend to enjoy a family who loves each other. Well, then what do I have to do? I have to forgive first, right? I intend to be strong in what I believe. Well, then what do I need to do? I need to study apologetics and read the Bible, right? This is all intentional growth. We have to implement strategies to grow into what we want to become. We won't get there by accident, but by intentionality. Drifting in life will never take you the direction you want to go. Trust me. Drifting in life will never take you the direction you want to go. Now, this is a really sad story. Some of you may have heard about the kayaker about a month ago. Well, the kayaker in Sheffield Lake, Adrian and I were working in the backyard when that happened, and we saw them, but we didn't know he was in trouble. And they're kind of yelling and screaming, but he was right there, like I could have swam easily there and back. He dropped an oar, and he allowed himself to be drifted out. There was a southern wind, and so it was flat right by the shore. But once he got pushed out, it became wavier and wavier and more, you know, um, crazy water. But there was a point where he could have jumped out and swam. He dropped his oar, but instead he chose to drift And they've never found him. 
which is heartbreaking and horribly sad. Every time I look outside, it's like, ugh. But there was a point where he chose to drift instead of get out and swim, right? We can't allow our lives to just be taken by the, the wind of culture. If we do, what are we going to, we're going to end up in divorce. We're going to end up with kids that don't follow Jesus. We're going to end up with a job we don't like. We have to choose not to drift in our purpose in this life. The current of our culture will take us to a place we don't want to be. We can't just go with the flow. We have to purpose in our heart to refuse to go with the flow. Make no mistake, if we don't know where we are going, we are lost. In 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul was mentoring Timothy, and he wrote these letters to Timothy as a mentor, discipling his young protege, right? And this scripture verse in 4.15, it says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Paul is saying, Timothy, listen, read this letter and then grow intentionally. That's what he's telling him. And look at these other verses. It, or these other versions describe be diligent. Give your complete attention to these matters. Practice these things. Ponder these things. Be absorbed in them. Meditate upon them. Give thyself wholly to them. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. These are all the different versions of the Bible. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. I love this. Practice these things. Be committed to them. This is what our discipleship should look like. If we want to find God's purpose for our life, this is what we need to do. It says, practice these things. Devote yourself to them. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them. Habitually practice these duties and be absorbed in them. And I love this, the last one. It says, of these things, be careful. In these things, be we have to choose to be the person God has called us to be. And it has to be very intentional. So how intentional are you about growth? Answer this question if you are looking for purpose. And you might not be able to answer it now. You know, sometimes there's questions that you just need to ponder. And that's one of these questions. But how intentional am I about growth in my life? Number two is what does it take to become mature in purpose is interior growth. So first we have intentional growth, and now we have interior growth. It's the growth in here. Let me give you a secret insight, right? God is more concerned about your interior growth than your exterior growth. You all knew that, right? But we need to remind ourselves of this truth. There's a story in the Bible where the Lord sent Samuel to choose another king. You remember? Because Saul was no longer pleasing him. And so the Lord sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, and he had, I forget how many sons. He had sons, right? And most of them were tall, handsome. They were warriors. Remember, they were on the front line with Saul's army facing Goliath. They were, they were the ones that you would think were going to be king probably had muscles, tall, you know, like really ready to be kings, very kingly looking. But God didn't pick any of them. 
God chose the youngest. He chose David. And he chose David because David's interior life was greater than his exterior life. David's interior life was greater than his exterior life. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, God tells Samuel, he says, take no notice of the looks of his looks or his height. Now he's talking about David's, probably his oldest brother, right? Probably the biggest one, the most charismatic, the most, the strongest. And God said, don't pay attention to any of that. He is not the one for the eternal God does not pay attention to what humans value. Humans only care about the external appearance, but the eat, but the eternal considers the inner character. So God right now, Say to yourself, God is concerned with my inner character. And oftentimes, that's the stuff no one ever sees. But God cares about it. God cares about it. And my response to this is that I will intentionally work on my inner life with God. What's going on inside of us is the most important thing about us. What's going on inside of us is the most important thing about us. Growth happens from the inside out because God is an inside-out God. And Jesus said in Mark, he was talking to his disciples, and it was in response to a question about external behavior. I believe it was fasting. I might be wrong about that. But Jesus said, listen carefully to me. He said, all of you. He's like saying, hey, guys, listen, look at me. You know how moms do that? Look at me. Right, right here. (laughs) We want you to get this. Jesus is saying, get this and understand what I'm saying. There is nothing outside a man, such as food, by which going into him can defile him, morally or spiritually. But the things that come out of the heart of a man are what defile and dishonor him. Jesus is saying, it's more important to work on your heart than to follow the rules of religion. It's more important. Instead, we try to say, okay, if I do this and I do this and I do that and I do this, then I'll be okay. No, you won't. Jesus says, do this. Fix your heart. Lay your heart in front of me and let me work on it with you, right? Be vulnerable with me and let me help you grow and obey what I want from you. He first works in us before he works through us. Have you ever tried to teach something you didn't know? Like, it's really hard. It's really hard to just regurgitate somebody's. And, and this is why a lot of times my dad, will, my dad, I love you, dad. He'll go, here, just preach my message. I'm like, I can't do that. Right? I can't just repeat somebody's message. I have to get it in my heart. Like, it has to be me. It has to be mine. It has to be something the Holy Spirit has worked out in us. And that's the same thing with our purpose. We can't just go out and repeat a good idea, right? We have to know it. We have to be it first so that God can work that through us. We can't give what we don't possess. We can't give what we don't possess. You know, the the recent trend with these ministry schools is like, just go out and heal people. Have faith. Go do it. You know, just go do it. Don't go make take a risk. Go do this. Go do that. And I think the only thing that we're missing there is that you got to let him do it here first. Like he has to heal you from the inside out. He has to 
give you courage from the inside out. He has to give you a boldness. You have to know him, right? We have to know him. We have to let him work us from the inside out. Our purpose and fulfillment comes from what God has established in our interior lives, not from what we have accomplished, our successes, or our exterior talents. Talent can only take you so far. You have got to have the Lord in your heart living through you, right? If we want to accomplish things for his kingdom. And lastly, the seed always produces the fruit. Last in this point, I have to say. (laughs) The seed always produces the fruit. You know, God could have come on the earth in Genesis and he could have created cities, highways, right? Skyscrapers. He could have created governments and put us all there. But what did he do? He created a garden with plant-bearing, seed-bearing plants. And instead, he decided to let the seeds produce the fruit. He created Adam and Eve with dreams in their heart, with purpose to, to have dominion, right? To multiply and have dominion. He created that, and it was all for his glory. So what is God doing in me right now that he wants glory from in my interior life? What does he want access to in my heart? And we have to ask ourselves that. Number three, what does it take to become mature in purpose? We have to become today who we want to be tomorrow. We have to work on ourselves today in order to be that person that we want to be when we're 80, right? Because it doesn't just happen automatically. We have to work on it. We have to invest. It's also cultivating our new self in Jesus. Did you know when you got born again, you had a new self? Like my old self? Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that Mary, that old Mary is dead. And this morning, the new Mary woke up, right? And that's what we have to remember in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. It says that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self. You completely discard in your former nature. But see, Paul is telling them that they have, it's a verb. It's like you have to put off your old self. It doesn't happen automatically. I believe that your old self happens automatically. You know, we wake up. We're still living here on earth. There's garbage everywhere. The culture's garbage, right? We wake up. What are we going to do? The old Mary's going to wake up. Unless I intentionally put to death that old Mary every day and put on the new self. There's intentionality there. We have to become the new self. Let's finish reading the scripture verse. It says, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires and be continually renewed in the spirit of our mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image. We have been created in God's image, and we have a renewed and regenerated nature. It takes intentional growth and faith. You know, you have two camps. You have a camp that says, I'm this new self by faith and faith alone. And then you have this other camp that says, but I have to work and do these works to prove myself, right? So you have a, we're all being and doing. It's both. It's, it's and, right? We have being and doing. You have a being side and a doing side. 
But we always have to cultivate both. We always have to sit before the Lord and have faith that he has changed us, that we are new, that we are born again, that we have been given a new nature. We are free from sin and death. We are loved by God, and we have been adopted in his family. All of that requires faith. And we have to have that faith in order to be that new self. Our doing side is our intentional growth. We act right, right? We don't cuss out our dog. (laughs) We don't swear at our neighbors when they put leaves on our grass, right? We act right. We handle our emotions properly. We love one another. We serve one another. We do things for God. See, you you be for God. You be with God, and you do things for God. But if we try to live from doing more than we live from being, we will wear ourselves out and more than likely give up, make huge mistakes, or hit a wall with our purpose. So what area of the nature of Christ am I intentionally cultivating in my life today so that I can be more like Christ tomorrow? So we should have a goal. I want to be like Christ, right? What characteristics do I want to be like Christ? Specific ones. Think about that. Maybe think about it and write it down later. But those are the things I need to work on today. If I need patience, I need to practice patience. If I need um, peace in my life instead of fear, instead of anxiety, I need to practice peace. Before we can even think about this question, we have to talk about the word cultivating. And I jumped ahead. So my dad texted me and he said, talk about tending and keeping the garden because that's what cultivating is. And it is. A farmer doesn't just go out and say, okay, I want my corn. No, he's got to start where? At preparing the soil, getting his machines ready, working the land, preparing the irrigation, right? He's got to do all these things. It's the same thing with us. We're not going to wake up and just have a new nature. We're not going to wake up and just have a, be able to act out our new nature. Let me, let me, let me clarify that. You do have a new nature, but you have to act out your new nature. It's that being and doing, right? But you have to cultivate and tend and keep. So cultivate means pursue, encourage, foster, nurture. And it requires practice, self-awareness, and discipline. Practice, self-awareness, and discipline. Now, I'm going to talk specifically today about self-awareness because I don't think we talk about that enough in the church. (laughs) Self-awareness, let me read you this definition, is the ability to focus on yourself and how your actions thoughts, or emotions do or don't align with your internal standards. And here I put in parentheses, God's or your new self's internal standards, right? A lot of times we're stuck over here on the being side so much that we're like, I'm a new nature. Oh man, I just cussed out my cat or whatever, but I'm a new nature. No, don't let yourself off that easy. Be aware that you need to work on that right? You need to work on that anger. You need to work on that frustration. You can do better because Jesus saved you. Amen? And so self-awareness is important for our growth. And so many of us have low self-awareness. We think we have God's nature because we walk around doing things for him, but we haven't been with God enough to allow him to expose the being 
that needs transformed by God. Self-awareness takes time. It takes quietness. These are the four things it requires. Silence. Be quiet and let the Holy Spirit point out some things, right? You don't have to be talking all the time in prayer. Shh. Let him show you what you need to change, right? Silence. You have solitude. Go away for a day if you need to. Go away and be with Jesus. Go take a walk in the woods. Take some time for him to show us what we need to change or what he wants to work on. Scripture can never go wrong with the scripture. (laughs) It's like a sword that pierces, right, through bone and marrow, gets right into yourself that needs to change. And then finally, someone you trust. You have a spiritual mentor or a friend that can speak into your life that you trust. Right, you're not going to let anybody just point out all your faults, but you can have someone that you trust to do it. And then humility. We have to be humble. We have to allow God to hold up a mirror and show us the areas that he wants to heal and transform into the image of his son, Jesus. So now, what aspects of the nature of Christ am I cultivating in my present that I want in my future? And we write those down. Okay, what aspects of the nature of Christ do I want to cultivate so that I can live that way in the future? So it can become my default. It's my new nature, right? Completely transformed by God. Number four, what does it take to become mature in purpose? Purpose to have a God perspective for holistic growth. And we, we mentioned that in the beginning, but I want to really hone in on that because it's so important. So what does holistic growth mean? It means that understanding that God cares about the whole of who you are, body, soul, and spirit. He paid for all of it. He didn't just pay for your spirit. He died on the cross, and that blood was to cover us, body, soul, and spirit. It's impossible to tap into the entirety of God's purpose for our lives if we ignore one or more of the aspects of our creation. Discipleship has to be holistic. We must be good stewards of the lives God has given us. And this is funny. I was just listening to this book yesterday, and the guy was talking about how he was, he was purposing to love people, right? And he was finding that it was hard to be loving to people. And it was because he wasn't sleeping enough. Like, really, he figured it out. He's like, I need to get more sleep. Because if, I've only, if I'm running on five hours of sleep, I don't care who you are or how nice you are, I'm going to be mean. Right? Like, get out of my face. I'm tired. I'm grouchy. I need to go to sleep. So do you see what I mean with holistic growth? We have to mature in our purpose and understand we have to take care of our bodies. We have to take care of our souls. We put boundaries up in unhealthy relationships, right? We don't keep allowing ourselves to be used and abused. Or or we go and be with Jesus and forgive, right, when we need to forgive. And so that's our soul. And then our spirit is we have to be in God's presence. But we have to do all three. Discipleship must be holistic. We must be good stewards of the lives God has given us. If we don't, It won't end well. And we want to finish well. So all areas over the entirety of our life, it's not just all areas, but it's the entirety of our life. It's when we're 60. It's when we're 70. It's when we're 80. We don't ever stop working with the Lord for our purpose. And it's 
in every area, spiritual, personal, health, relationships, emotions, intelligence, your job, ministry. We should be growing and maturing in Christ and realizing that God will use it all. So how do we know what's next? Things to look for in order to follow his lead, because he is the shepherd. Remember Psalms 23.1? He leads us and he guides us along still waters. And there are no screens for this, so you might want to write them down. There's four things to know what's next in your life. Ready? Pain. Hmm. Right? Might not be present pain. It might be past pain, or it might be present pain. But it's what in your life God can you what what in your life can God use that has taught you a lesson? What have you been through? Right? What have you fought for? Right? What have you gone through that God can use in your life has made you stronger or maybe has given you empathy for others? Right? Now you can hug a single mom and say, you got this because you are a single mom. Passion. What are you passionate about? What are you great at? What are you naturally talented with? God did that. You didn't do that. Right? That's your passion. He gave that to you. Go with it. He's pointing you. He's guiding you. The presence of the Holy Spirit. If he's leading you, he will give you the grace, the unmerited favor in that area. Be aware. If you see the Holy Spirit hovering around something, go that direction, right? He's taking you somewhere. We need to remember, um, we need to realize that we can recognize him. We know when he's leading and talking and speaking, and we can follow him, and he's going to bless that pathway. He's going to give us grace there. And then finally, people, two or three witnesses. Ask people around you, do you see this in my life? Do you see this for my life, right? Someone you trust, a mentor, a spiritual mentor would be great, spiritual authority, And then finally, the word of God. Every time I'm asking the Lord for something, he'll usually confirm it with me with um, a spiritual authority and the word, at least those two. And that's a great way to know where he's leading you and know what's next. So finally, the fifth thing that we do um, to know and become mature in our purpose is we live today in light of eternity. We live today in light of eternity. Yeah, we're here on earth, but we know it's about eternity, right? We know what we are called to do is not just about these 80 years or 90 years we have on this earth. It's about what we're going to be doing for eternity. It's about giving that crown to Jesus, laying it at his feet and saying, this is all for you, and now I get to worship you for eternity. We have to keep heaven on our mind. Jesus prayed for you. In John 17, and this is part of his prayer over you and over me. Jesus said in John 17, 16 and 17, he said, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth and set them apart for your purposes and make them holy. You have been set apart and you have been made holy. You are sanctified. That means your purpose is a holy purpose. That's huge. Jesus had a higher purpose, God's purpose, and so do we. We consider our purpose in the light of the kingdom and not just earthy successes, goals, money, or power. You see, when we consider heaven, all of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. 
We have to stay connected to God's eternal story. Our purpose, maturity, and growth are an issue of kingdom stewardship, not earthly successes. And this will change everything when you know that his purpose is bigger and better than anything we can ask or imagine. Do you think you realize that? That his purpose for your life is bigger and better than anything you could ask or imagine. I know I can imagine some really cool things, right? A farm with horses, right? Retreat centers with people being discipled, in and out, fathers and sons coming to to learn how to disciple our our sons, single moms coming in and just being ministered to. I could I could dream. <laughs> right? And you can dream. You can dream what God what God has for your life and what he's purposed in you. His is better. His is bigger. Don't we want to tap into that? Don't we want to follow his way? Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says, Now to God, who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we could ever ask or imagine through the power at work in us. To him be all the glory in the church and in Jesus, the anointed, from this generation to the next, forever and ever. Amen. So all for his glory, not for our glory. His purpose becomes our purpose. And as we mature, we can fully live this out. One more point, and then we're going to close. Our purpose, maturity, and growth are an issue of faithfulness and fruitfulness. So we have to be faithful with his purpose, and we have to be fruitful with his purpose. And a lot of us are good with the faithful, right? We're good with the faithful. We're like, God, I love you. I'm faithful. You don't even sin. That's how good you are, right? You've got it down. You are committed to following the Lord. But God also commands that we're fruitful. He also commands that we find out our purpose and we walk in it. The story in the Bible of the talents, we see the servant that was faithful, but he hid the talents. He wasn't fruitful right? He said, okay, I'm going to take really good care of this. this. This talent that you gave me, this purpose that you gave me, I'm going to take really good care of it. I'm going to put it right here in the ground so nobody takes it. And he dug a hole and he put the purpose there and he thought God would be proud of him. He was faithful. He kept that purpose safe. But when the master came back, what did he get? He got frustrated. He goes, why didn't you do anything with what I gave you? God commands us to be fruitful in our purpose. And sometimes that's scary, and sometimes it takes courage, and sometimes it takes um, trust, right? But we have to be fruitful. Fruitful means productive, constructive, useful, purposeful with what God has given us. Faithful means loyal, constant, devoted, and true, and dedicated to God. But we have to do both. Purpose has been given to each of us. But it doesn't ever just happen. It happens when we mature and we intentionally grow. So let's close with that scripture verse that we opened with in Ephesians 2.20. And this time it's in the voice version. Thank you, David, for coming up. (laughs) Play him. It says, for we are the product of his hand. And I love this version. It says, heaven's poetry etched on lives created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. He wrote a script about your life. 
He wrote it. It's perfectly written, right? It's beautiful. It's poetry. But it's your choice to walk it out. It's your choice if we actually act out the script God wrote for us, right? How many of us want to act it out today? God, we want your purpose established in our life. And we will choose to live it. Amen? Let's close in prayer, and then I'm going to share with you a little bit about the pledge. Father, we thank you. We thank you that because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we can know our purpose, be transformed into the new Mary, (laughs) the new person that you've created, and freely walk out the purpose that you've written for us from the beginning of time, God. And I thank you, Father, that you are empowering those in here today that say, I want to act out that purpose that God has for me in my life. I don't want to just dig a hole and hide it. But I want to be fruitful. And I want to be obedient. And I want to do everything God has called me to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, at the end of the service, we will be up here just to pray with you. If you want to know Jesus or want to have somebody agree with you to know your purpose, we would love to do that. But we wanted to share this because at the 50th, it went so long, we weren't able to give out these pledge cards. And so we're doing it in each campus today. But it was such a fun time. If you weren't able to be there, we missed you. (laughs) It was so fun. We had so many great worship and um ministry and friends there that that it was just a treasure to be there but you know we're we're humbled to be able to do ministry in the same church that I grew up in very humbled and I want to give you an opportunity to move forward for our own kids you know the next pastor of Avon Lake could be sitting here right in these little or could be in the back right there in the kids' church room, you know? God has a call for our kids. We want to make sure that we're in it for the long haul. We want to make sure that we eventually have a children's facility here, a little bit bigger than that back room. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're spreading the gospel. We're discipling people, and we're sharing love to the cities around us. So today, if you want a pledge card and an envelope, just raise your hand and I believe that we're going to pass them out. Oh, Armando, you have them. Thank you so much. And inside that envelope, um, it's got a card and you're not committing to give a certain amount. You choose, right? You choose to give either a one-time gift, a weekly gift, or a monthly gift. But basically it's just going to move us forward in faith and establishing, putting our roots down here in Avon Lake, in Wycliffe, in Cleveland, and Lorraine. So if you want one, just raise your hand and we'll go ahead and um, take that offering here in a little bit. But I just want to say thank you. We have an amazing campus here. Did anybody see that video that David and Jeremiah did? I have to show it on Facebook. I'll have to get it from you so I can put it on Facebook. It's such a good video. It really, they captured our personality here in Avon Lake. And it was a bunch of hugs and a bunch of kids running around and coffee and donuts. And I was like, that is such a great way, right, to express who we are. So I'll put it on Facebook. But what I want you guys to do is promise me that you will use that video on our Facebook group 
and you will share it with somebody. Okay, you'll share it with somebody and you'll say, come to my church, look at how awesome this is. We want you to be our guest and, and make sure that they are welcome. So, Okay, so if you have a chance to do it today and if you know exactly what God wants you to do and you can see Megan and just hand that to Megan after the service, if you want to take it home and think about it and pray about it and talk to your family about it, do that. We, we trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you the way that he needs to. So um, anybody coming to Las Cas? Yay! It'll be fun. I love Las Cas, and it is empty on Sundays after church. So I think we're going to be good. So thank you all for coming. If you want prayer, please come up before you leave. We would love to join and agree with you and live right, love everybody, and pray hard.